Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the cold winter of 1989, a Sabat pack who has suffered an immeasurable loss is given an ultimatum. Go to the Twin Cities of Minnesota, investigate why a deeply embedded pack has stopped reporting back, or meet their final death. This is Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Cities by Night, Sorrow, a tale of loss and regret that follows the Sabat pack known as the Nothing. Join us with Becca playing Linda, a Milkavian anti-tribute, Craig playing Jake, a pander, Jordan playing Abigail, a Ravenous anti-tribute, Monica playing Jenny, a Shimizi, and Slavic playing Charlie, a Bruja anti-tribute, and Chris as the storyteller. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter, at twin underscore cities underscore btm or on facebook and discord as twin cities by night we hope you enjoy you guys walk through the front and you notice when you walk through the front and he unlocks the door and he opens it and you see like there's this how you all walk through a door and how he walks through a door is like night and day difference his body language, it's so evident that I'm not going to make you roll, but his body language is of being careful. Like he stops before he unlocks the door and he kind of looks out the windows. He looks into the parking lot. He unlocks the door, the, the deadbolt, and he like pulls that metal handle and opens it. And then he looks out and then he walks out. Not like a cartoon character, like do to do, but you could tell that there's a, a slower movement with him of being careful. And as he gets out, he walks close to the van. And he turns and he looks at Jenny. He's like, you drove. Are you going to continue to drive? Well, yeah. How else do you expect us to get around? He just shakes his head. He just like looks at you. He's like, I'm going to sit in the front. I will show you the way how to get there. Are you okay with that? You see there's a smirk again as he's looking at you. Because there's this little mini like power. He can sense that you are like trying to show your dominance a little bit. And he's kind of like playing along. Yeah, Abigail... She tries to go against it for a bit and then thinks better of it. And yeah, that's fine. And she crawls in the back with Linda on the same couch. Hmm. Okay. You can uh, be navigator, but don't touch the heater. I will not touch your heater, ma'am. I promise that. And he just kind of smiles at you. And he like goes and he opens the door and you see like, it's kind of a funny look where he opens this van door and he kind of like looks at the step where you got to step on to get into the inside. And he like, takes a deep breath and he kind of steps and he walks in there and he closes the van door and he's like, come on, children, time for our ride. As he says, it's like, as you guys slide the door open, it's like, so as you, as you get in the vibe, you're going to have to go down this road right here. And he kind of like points through. So you were saying that how long have you all been a pack? What is your pack name? By the way, you never told me your pack name. That means a lot. Do tell me it's interesting and entertaining. It's nothing special. That's the name of your pack? Nothing special? That's rather harsh, I would say. No, he means it's just the nothing. The, the, it's just the nothing? You mean it's nothing? Yep, it's the nothing. Oh, your pack is called the nothing. Ouch. Yes. Well, that could have a lot of meanings. He just kind of like looks forward. Like he doesn't have to say it. You can sense like this like stiffness in him. And he's like, so you're going to go down the road here. Let me mark where he resides, or at least where I was. I think I've been able to garner the information. He stays in a RV park. He has one of those 
RV vehicles, the kind that you can live in and you can drive, which is rather smart. That is actually how he came into the city 11 years ago. He looks out the window and he's like, so I believe he's been staying at an RV park where at this time of the year, people usually leave their RVs because they don't drive them around the mother and the fathers and the vacations and all that. You're well aware of that, I assume, Jenny? Jenny, tell me about yourself. What you were... ask a lot of questions. What do you want to know? Well, you are asking a lot of questions too, I assume. I just want to know what... He looks at you for what you all have in common. You're rather young, huh? You look rather comfortable behind that steering wheel, Jenny. It's not my first time driving. Are you just assuming that because I'm Asian? No, I just mean this vehicle, this uh, minivan. You were a mother before, weren't you? Yes. So what? So what indeed. I like that. You've moved on, have you not? That life is behind me. I no longer have a kid or two or a husband. I am what I am now. I'm not a, a human. So what do you expect from me? You know what you are, right? What are Something you? better. Yes. And what is that, Jenny? What is that label that we throw on that? Why are you quizzing me? Why are you so defensive? Aren't because you're here supposed to guide us. I know you're doing is asking questions like you're skeptical of us or talking down to us. You are here to find me and find out the answers, right? I'm surprised you're not asking more questions, Jenny. I'm kind of looking forward to asking Mark. Oh, are you? Huh. That would be entertaining, Jenny. That really will be entertaining. But really, Jenny, what is the label? What are we? Jake's fingers are kind of like grabbing the back of the seat that uh, Abigail and Linda are on. Abigail and Linda, you can kind of feel this tension. Actually, Linda and Abigail, I want you to give me a perception and empathy roll when it comes to Jake right now. I got eight successes. <laughs> I got two. Holy shit, you got eight successes? Holy cow. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. I've never had anyone roll eight successes, I don't think, other than when Kimberly mind-fucked fucking William and Homecoming. Were you going to say something, Abigail? Those eight successes were rolled on eight dice. Holy shit, dude. Oh, my God. Okay. Linda, you hear the upholstery, that cushioning, that, that back-neck-resting thing that can adjust on the back of the seat that you can put your head back on you can hear it creak and you look behind you and you see jake's face and his eyes are intently staring forward and you're looking into his eyes and you start putting your mind starts clicking the talks that you've had with jake the hours that you have spent the connection that you have with them because there is a connection there you came across jake before when he's almost frenzied we know his peculiar feeding issues habits that you've had to address the, the the sorrow that he has in his life you know that there's a period there's ways that he acts but right now in your head it's starting to click the dramatic change that you saw from him leaving that room to now his reaction his tenseness his ferocity that seems to be behind there but it's not one of the beast you see now there's a clinginess now more so than he had for Jenny before. Jenny is a brash person. She's self-confident. She's had conversations with people before where she has been this way. And you've never seen Jake look like he wants to rip someone's head off. And you're realizing that something is happening to Jake. And as you're staring into the, his pupils, you hear a crashing sound around you. And it sounds like a gentle ocean wave. What's going on in your head right now? The first thought is now is not the time 
Like she was getting ready to turn, hold onto his hands, look him straight in the eyes and use passion on him to, to blunt that, that feeling of anger. But now she's hearing the ocean and she hesitates. Maybe this is what needs to happen. Maybe he does need to really reach into those emotions. Oh no, I'm sorry guys. So instead of blunting it, she's actually going to heighten those emotions. <laughs> okay, go ahead. And what do you need a roll for that? Let's go ahead and pull It's that a up. charisma plus empathy roll. It's difficulty victims humanity. <laughs> okay, what's victim? What's a humanity right now? I said I had to double check. It's a six. Would my empathy deep motivations go into this as well if I rolled a 10? I would say no right now. I apologize. But I can't see how, you know what I mean? Like, it's like. No worries. It's, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I don't know. So yeah, 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 I yeah, figure yeah. I would ask two successes, which for passion specifically, it, it looks like it'll affect him for an hour. So you're making his anger more elevated. When you hear those waves, you're elated, you said, because like you feel like, okay, this figure last night, Ask me, did you have you heard the ocean yet? And you haven't. You feel like a moment where you're like, I want to calm him down. And when you look into his irises and you pull out, you breathe out and you look at him and you feel yourself smiling and you feel like almost like your will being pushed out. Almost like when you have a connection with someone, like it reminds you of when you had your practice and you would sit across from someone and you would have a breakthrough with them. You know, sometimes you'd have patients who wouldn't listen or who were like, don't want to listen. They just wanted to be there at an event. But then you really have the genuine patients who you knew were there who wanted to take your advice and apply it and make themselves better. And you feel that right now, that, that connection that you felt, that sense of accomplishment. And when you feel that and you smile and you exhale, you see Jake's pupils dilate for a little bit. And then they go back to their normal form. And you know that you've been successful. Jake, you are fucking pissed. How, why is this guy being a fucking asshole like this? Now, I'm not making you roll a frenzy check yet, but your anger that you just felt is way through the roof. So I'm going to cut back to Jenny and Benjamin. Jenny, you know what you are. You're a canine, Jenny. And you recognize that, which is good. A lot of people lose themselves being so young in the blood. How long have you been a canine, Jenny? How long have you been asking these stupid irrelevant questions benjamin is it irrelevant jenny what did i tell your friend jake earlier hey the lady said shut up and you see jenny you look at him you see he's smiling you see his face just drops like all emotion drops from it and you there's a moment jenny what's going on in your face when you see it because you see like it's weird it's like this hi i'm being charming like stone blank all emotions gone jenny she jumps a little when she hears jake's voice but as she looks in the rear of the mirror to see Jake's face, and then she looks over at Benjamin and sees that he kind of was put in his place, she smirks a little and she bites her lip to hide the fact that she wants to laugh. And you see for a moment, like, he sits back and he looks forward, and then he turns around his head, and you see his head come through the middle, and you three see that. Jacob, do you mind if I call you Jacob? No, it's just Jake, and I don't know where you're getting off questioning our motives, you speak about putting your pack in danger. Well, you put my family in danger by not picking up a p fucking paid phone. 
I don't know who's listening on what, but I don't know. I don't care. Go out to the city. Go to the fucking zoo. I'm sure they got a phone you can use. Drake, excuse me. This is another example. You have to think, not like how, what you were before, but what you are now. If they made so much work to separate my pack members and I and not tell us our location, to be embedded in this city, do you think they would give me a phone number to other people of our sect? I don't know, but the fucking urchin in the hotel room had enough presence of mind to do so, and he figured it out. And who would watch that urchin you speak of? I don't know, your goddamn goddess. Listen, Jacob, I realize you are angry now. And I'm willing to forgive it. But I will tell you this. Watch your words when you speak of the goddess. Because this love that you have for this family here, I have for her. And Jacob, I will tell you this. I have been around. And I have been around for a while. I'm amusing myself right now. But I am also checking the validity of you four. Because I'm about to expose another pack member of mine to you four. So, Jenny... If asking you question upsets you, please forgive me, but understand this. I am putting someone I hold dearly at risk by bringing you into their atmosphere. Do you understand that? So while my questions may annoy you, please forgive me for the slight inconvenience. Jenny is going to pull the van over to the curb and basically come to a screeching halt. She's going to put the van in park and she's going to pop her seatbelt off and she's going to look at Benjamin with a deadpan look on her face and say, we're here to help you. You're here to help us. We're not enemies. We're allies. We haven't tried to investigate into you as much as you're investigating into us. You need to respect us as we respect you. Jake, calm down. I appreciate what you're trying to do, but right now we don't need a fight in the van. We need to get to our next destination, which is Mark, and see where we get there. So if you could stop with the stupid questions and stop irritating Jake and just guide me where I'm supposed to go, we can all move forward from this. Am I making myself clear? Yes, Jenny, you are making yourself very clear. I apologize, Jake. You should really get that anger in check, though. That doesn't serve you well. Benjamin, I will take my shoe off and hit you with it if you aggravate him one more time. And you just hear like, ha, 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 oh, and you just see like a moment he's generally laughing and he's just like, oh, Jenny, I like you. I like you a lot. Yes, so you're going to keep going down this road right here. Thank you. She's going to, you know, start the van again, pull it out of park, pull out of the curb and follow his directions. So eventually you are back on the freeway and you're driving along and then you get off the freeway again, this time at exit 53. And you find yourself driving past like the Missouri river. Like you're kind of like, see this river. You don't know it's the Missouri river, but you see this river kind of on the left. And you see that there's some parks that are along there and you drive along this road and you get to where you start seeing like some older businesses, you know, like those older automotive shops that like are more really honestly for people who may not be able to take the cars to like dealerships, you know, the shops have been around for like 30, 40 years, probably ran by the same family. You see like smaller convenience store, grocery stores, you see bars, a couple bars. It's not like a ran down, ran down, but it's definitely older 
not like this area where the strip mall came from, not like what you're used to living to in New York. And you see, as you further go down, you see there's this huge lot and you see that there's like a fence around this huge lot. Like this lot, I want to say is like a hundred yards by like a hundred yards. And you see that there's street lights at the corner of each of these lots. And you see within, within this lot and this fence that there's a bunch of RVs. That looks like there can be, I don't know, probably up to 30 of them there. And when you get to there, you see Benjamin motions to park along the side of the street on his end that he's on. And you see across the street from this lot, there's like a school playground and that there's like a like kind of like a force on the further edge. And if you look past the lot, you'll see that looks like that there might be like some more green area and like the river. But I mean, you can't see green because it's covered in snow. Let me rephrase that. He's like, you can pull over here, Jenny. Okay. Any other directions? First, and he looks, turns around, looks back. Jake, no offense. You seem rather hot-headed. I would prefer that not all of us go in there and speak to him. He, of course, is not going to be happy that I'm giving away his location. And, well, as we saw this ride, Mother wasn't really happy with our behavior, Jacob. So, Just Jake. Jake. I apologize again. So... Who would like to come with me? Jenny's going Jenny's to pause and say, I'll stay with Jake. Abigail, since she's our leader, will go with you. And Linda will be with her as well. Okay. Sounds good. Shall we? And he opens up the door, gets out and slides the door. Ladies? After you. And Abigail also steps out of the door, leaving the door open for Linda. Before Linda fully comes out of the van, she'll like put her hands on Jenny's shoulder and just kind of lean in and whisper to her, help him find himself. And she'll leave. You two follow Benjamin. He crosses the street. There's really no traffic. Actually, this street hasn't been plowed that well. And actually, matter of fact, when you start walking across the street, you start seeing snowflakes start coming down it's a little windy but you see snow starting to come down it's not gentle it's kind of you know coming down like when you drove and you see benjamin tightens his scarf that he has under his pea coat and puts his hands in his pocket and he walks forward and he goes up to along the fence and he's walking along the fence and you see that there's like two he goes up to these two large gates that are like on the fence that like look like they're supposed to be open and closed you know for people to drive their rvs out that has a thick chain with like a thick lock there. And then he continues walking past that. And you see that there's like this little walking gate thing. It has a, a knob on there, handle to turn and open it. But then it has like a padlock that with a, like a padlock hinge that keeps this locked. And you see, he walks up to it and he looks at both of you and he kind of winks and he turns around and he grabs the padlock with his hand. And you just see him yank and you see it pop, pops open there. And he kind of like spins it takes it out, drops it in, a, in the snow that's along the edge there. And he goes ahead and he pulls open the gate and you hear it going, opens up. He's like, follow me, please. And two, please, don't make a ruckus. You seem rather calm, like your friend Jake over there. Abigail will straighten her jacket a little bit and nod her head. And he looks at you, Linda. He's like, you're an interesting one, aren't you? Linda will just give a big, bright smile. You need to teach some of that happiness to your, to your pack mates in there. And he motions back to the vehicle and he turns and he walks 
you guys go through this area and you realize that you are in where these large RVs are like parked in three rows. And where you're walking, you're walking at the beginning of the first row. So there's a first row where the fronts are facing towards the street. And then there's like five feet behind that. And then there's like a second row and then five feet behind that, and like a third. So enough to where people can like, or I'd say like not five feet, I'd say like 15 feet. So people can, you know, back out and get their RVs out. But a lot of them are covered. They're all covered with like snow right now. Cause this is where people who don't have space in their yards to park them will park them, you know, over the winter so they can use them in the summer. You see that it hasn't been shoveled in there so you see like compact snow it looks like there's been like footsteps of people who've walked in there over time you know over time throughout the winter and you see though that like some of the footsteps are starting to fill up with snow as the snow is coming down it's catching in your hair you guys feel it catching in your hair you too he starts walking in front of the second row to the front of these different kind of rvs and you can see that there's like five feet between the rvs and he goes up to one and you see that there's one where there's a curtain, like on the front window, how they have those curtains people can close when they're not using. And you see the curtains close, but you see that there's a thin light coming out from there. And he turns and looks at you too. And he's like, well, let's see how Mark takes this. And you see that he walks up between two and there's some steps that are down that lead up to like a door on there. And you see all the different windows are like closed with uh, curtains. And you see him go up and he's about to go knock on the door and you see the door open and you see a figure standing there. This figure is wearing tan dicky chino pants. You see, it looks like that he has like work boots on underneath and he has a wife beater on. He's a Caucasian male. He's about six foot two, has very strong like Nordic looking features, has a handlebar mustache. He has hair that's kind of like, has like some kind of product in it that slicked back but it kind of is longer, it goes down to here. You see that he has all these like prison tattoos on his arms. He has a big swastika that's on the side of his neck there. And he has like a Viking on the other side of his neck. He's very pale. And you see he has like these very deep, like blue eyes and he's like looking down and he's like, Benjamin, what are you doing here? And you see Benjamin looked up to him, he's like, Mark, desperate times and all. They've been sent here to find us. You see like this figure looks like really sharply at you too, looking down and he looks around and you see his eyes are kind of wide and he looks at you too, he's like, get in here. And you see Mark go and he looks at you too, like you won a small victory and he walks in and he turns and waits for you two to follow in. Abigail will not hesitate and just follow in, making sure to look behind her if Linda is following her. At this point, Linda's basically right on your, like right behind you. In her mind, she wants to make you feel comfortable and like in charge as much as possible. As you guys step into the room or into this trailer, you see that it is immaculate, absolutely immaculate, like clean. Like there's no like mess in there. You see that there's like this like older couch, like a, like a suede brown, like Swedish material couch. There's like this coffee table that's like completely clean. You see that there's like a, these drawers that look like clothes could be put into there. There's like a TV, but it's not on. You look to the right, you see like this round dining room table, like a small one that goes in these campers. Cause this is kind of like an older camper. This isn't like one that, you know, high end, huge ones that we know of this day. You see the kitchen area is completely clean. You see like there's a bed. Like you look down and there's like a little, a door on the left that look and you uh, door on the left that leads into something. You look, you see a bed and it's perfectly made and you see, this figure turns around and he's standing and he's looking. How, how long have you known I've been here, Benjamin? Did anyone follow you? 
you see Benjamin go like, no, no, Mark, calm down. He's like, listen, I got no goddamn time for this shit. Like, why are you breaking protocol? He's like, Mark, listen to me. Someone contacted Sangris. We're being told to pull out. And he's like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere to fucking Logan. Comes and tells me that's how it works. I don't give a shit. And you hear Benjamin go, but the goddess, she's gone. He's like, I don't care. We still go on with what we're doing. And he looks at you too. He's like, so what are you here for? What do you need? Well, we were sent from Montreal to either fetch you guys or bring back all the information if we were unable to fetch you guys. And who, who sent you from Montreal? Um, the Archbishop, Singers. He looks at both of them. And he looks at Benjamin. Do they, have any, do they have any idea what we're doing here? Do you know how much work I put in this fucking place? So we're getting pulled out. It's done. I, where's Logan? And he's like, I, I don't know. And he's like, you see, Mark just closes his eyes. Looks like we all had the same idea, Benjamin. And you see him walk up to this drawer and he pulls open the drawer and you see him like pull out like two manila envelopes and he goes to this round table. And you see him open up both manila envelopes and he like pristinely puts these pictures like like next to each other. Like you see him adjust them. Like they absolutely had to be flush. And he's like, what did he... Did he tell you what I'm here for? Abigail not. Okay. These are people that I brought over and you see him motioning to six people. There's six pictures there. And he's like, this person, and he takes out another black and white picture and he puts it down. And you see it's this Asian looking guy walking a dog. He's like, this is someone that I thought that I could get over to our side, but his sire ended up claiming him and didn't leave him on his own. But I think maybe we could still win him over. I don't know. I haven't made contact yet. But if we leave here, I'm not leaving Logan and Mallory here, Benjamin. And you like Benjamin, like, I'm not asking you to, Mark. These people are willing to help us out. And he looks at you guys. He's like, so if I give you the location, you're willing to help out? Yes. That's what we're here for. The whole pack or the information of the pack. He just looks at you coldly. What do you what are you guys thinking right now when you see this figure? Like, especially like with something like glaring like the swastika on his neck and you know and shit like that. Like what what are you thinking, Abigail, right now? This is not a person that Abigail would normally associate with. But at this moment, she has that pure business mindset. She is here because somebody asked her to do a thing. She's going to do that thing. And if that means that she has to interact with this person that has probably completely different views on her own, then that is how it's going to be. Does she hide her, like, looking at it, though? Or, like, her, you know, I mean, you said she's being professional, but was her initial reaction kind of like like a, a shock a little bit? I think a little bit, but I don't know how well that was visible. She was mostly surprised that this guy opened the door because Benjamin is so well-kept and, and stuff and basically so clean. And then this guy who where you don't come into his RV, just looks like a bit of a thug, steps out. That's completely different. Do you want to hide your, and try to hide your reaction? Yes, I would really like to do that. Okay, let's go ahead and have you roll uh, manipulation and subterfuge, please. Difficulty six. And we're going to roll a counter roll. He's going to try to roll a perception and empathy. I don't really oh, think you need to roll oh, yeah, you because botched. I botched. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, that fits in the idea. <laughs> and so you, Linda, are seeing Abigail. She's just like staring at his neck. And you just see like she's trying to keep it together, but she's having a hard time. You see him and he stops for a second. He looks at you. 
He looks at Benjamin. He looks back at Abigail. This, you're hung up on this. Hey, somebody sent us because you didn't contact back. You're staring at this. Let, let me, you see him put his finger out. And he goes to his drawer again. And you see him open the drawer. You see he has like this Bowie knife. He's like, this bothers you, right? You see him like take his skin. And he takes the Bowie knife. And he goes along his skin. And he takes this piece of flesh. And he has it in his hand. And he's like, you realize we are above all this shit now, right? I am not this. This is was me before. But with the gifts that we're given, I'm stuck with this for eternity. You understand that, right? You need to get in your head that you're more. Or you're going to end up like all the others who don't fucking amount to it. And who don't survive. I know. And I will. Just give me some time. Lady, you don't have fucking time in this world. It doesn't work that way. And he throws the skin at your feet and he turns around and he goes back while he has this like huge like exposed tendon and everything on his neck. We're going to cut to Jenny and Jake. You guys are in the van. Jake, you're pissed. You're angry still. I mean, you don't know what you're angry at even at this moment, but you're still angry. Like enraging angry. Go ahead. Scenes on you guys. Don't let him get under your skin like that. It's just not worth it. He's an asshole. Yeah, I uh, thought I was going to kill him. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, it's, it's weird. Ever since we got to the city, I just there's been all these feelings and like crazy emotions that are just, I don't know what it is. It's like this, it's like my heart is just out here and it's like this big ocean that's just trying to fill it and there's just not enough room and things are just bursting out. You've been kind of quiet recently. Is there anything you want to get off your chest? I don't, I don't like this one bit. It's all this cloak and dagger stuff. I mean, it's almost like what Bishop Sangers wants these guys to get exposed. Sending us in here like this with so little information. And I, I, I don't know what this fucking asshole's problem is. That just playing 20 questions all night. I'm getting a weird feeling based on the information that he's given us. I don't know if I trust the bishop right now. He put, he brought them out here, sent them on this mission. They spread out, lost one of their pack, which I obviously don't want to see happen to us. But then he sends us, out of all people, a bunch of neonates to fix this mess. I think, I think just something weird's going on, given how advanced, you know, in his gifts this guy is and what he knows, what his pack is like. You know, we kind of look like kids compared to him. So I agree with you. There's something weird. Why did the bishop send us down here? It was either a suicide mission to kill us here, or if we make it and get back up, he may kill us anyway. I don't know. It's like it's like the asshole back in Montreal is just impatient. And I thought this guy knew how to play the long game. If this is really what he wants, I'm just tired of people just throwing our lives away like this. I, and then Jake kind of just looks at Jenny. And I think at this point, like, he kind of... Are you still up in the front seat then? I can go back there if you want. I was just asking where you were because I was going to describe where I, what I well, was Well, she's still in the driver's seat. Okay. I think uh, Jake kind of just moves forward into the middle seat um, and just says, I, I don't know. I, everything's just so real and so raw now. And, like, it's one of the craziest nights ever, and it's not even over yet. Well, hopefully, Abigail and Linda 
can get some answers out of this Mark guy. The sooner we get there packed together, the sooner we can have this over with. And maybe if we move back to Montreal as a, you know, big pack of not just the four of us, but whichever one of their pack is still around, they can kind of protect us. Because like I said, right now, I really, I really don't trust the bishop. The way that, that this guy, Benjamin, was describing him, he seems like he has a lot of distrust in him too. I think we're kind of in the middle of some sort of political agenda and we're just puppets on a string. So what I don't we, want to do all this work just to go back up and die. So what, we just joined this pack now? I, should we even bother going back to Montreal? Does any of what Jenny's saying, like, does that anger start coming in? Like, are you, you know, she raised her anger for an hour. Are you starting to get angry at Jenny for like any of the stuff she's saying? A little bit, yeah. Uh, Cause it's like, for, it's for an hour. It hasn't been an hour yet. I'm just trying to keep that in my, in my mind. And Jake no, feels like he's not himself right now. And like the fact that uh, Jenny just brought up the, that they're just possibly some sort of political, like, fulcrum that um other people are just playing teeter-totter with is like really getting to them and who's to say when they get this all sorted out that they don't just get killed anyways so is he starting to show anger towards jenny right now could she (sighs) sense anger or i'll go ahead scenes on you guys i'll let you guys go i I don't i don't like it jen i I mean the strata group or whatever seem like they're handling things well right here what what's stopping us from just packing up and going somewhere and never going back. Not that I don't want to do that, but this Benjamin guy made it seem pretty clear that there are eyes and ears everywhere that we're being watched by who? I don't know. But what if something gets back to the bishop? You know what he said. Either we come back with the information of the pack or we're dead. This is literally for us a life and death mission or a death and death mission, depending on what happens when we complete it. Right now, I feel comfortable telling you this. I, you know, I don't want to upset Abigail. And I mean, I don't know if Linda would even agree or understand what I'm saying because she's in her own world. But I, I don't know what it is, but I feel very strongly that this Benjamin guy can clear up for us, at the very least, the people who sent us here, what they're really like. Because right now, the only people I trust are our pack. And for whatever reason, I really trust this Benjamin guy. Jake is looking like, actually, I'm going to spend a blood point and I'm going to go a little bit red at this. Like making Um, her eyes red? No, 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 no. Like his skin is getting red and like flush with like emotion. Um, After I spend it, it will be going down to three. Oh, shit, bro. Jake, like he's visibly angry because... I don't think it's a secret at this moment that he doesn't care for Benjamin very much. And hearing that Jenny straight up included him in this little circle of trust that they got going on, it's not sitting well with him. So Jenny, you see his reaction there. I'm going to have you roll a self-control roll, Jake. Difficulty four. Linda's really hoping for some, some kind of tears going on when she comes back. I got two successes. You feel the beast rear up. You're hungry. Your girlfriend or your partner just showed that she wants to bring in this guy that you were just warned with in the inner circle here. And you see that Jenny right now too, that he's like, you see him rearing up, but he like is barely controlling himself, but he does. Jake, do you need to feed? No, that's not what I need right now. 
and I think um, he kind of like grabs Jenny's arm and then just pulls her closer. Jenny's going to very carefully crawl into the back seat with him since she had already taken her seatbelt off earlier. Um, she's going to sit next to him and just kind of hold his head against her shoulder and she's going to hug him, you know, sideways and rub his arm and tell him, you need to calm down, Jake. We're doing our best. We're all doing our best and we're going to make it out of this. I promise you. How does Jake react to that? It's weird because like, I'm trying to process it, how Jake would normally react. Heightened by the fact that he's still really angry and it's like the supernatural force that's keeping his anger. And yeah, I, I think he just like, uh, looks at Jenny straight in the eye and then just kisses her. Dang, how does Jenny react to this? She's a little shocked because one minute he's just so angry that he's literally turning red. And the next he's just kind of yanking her in the back seat and kissing her. She obviously kisses him back, but she pauses. She's like, what if Abigail and Linda come back and they see us? It's nothing that they haven't seen before. I need you, Jenny, to roll me uh, perception alertness, please. Difficulty six. One success. So you're in the moment, right? And you're like looking at him right after he says that. And then you're like, you look past his shoulder and you see some out of the corner of your eye and you kind of like look and you see her kind of looking like she's looking in the back of the van and you see these police cars. You see there's like six of them that are like parked along the side of the, the, the fence. You actually see figures, like looks like they cut the fence and you see figures are like streaming into this yard. We're gonna cut back to Abigail and Linda. You guys are standing there and he just threw this flap of skin. And he looks at you, he's like, listen, I'll, tr I'll show you where, we'll go get Mallory and we'll leave this fucking city, okay? And then there's a moment where he's like, let me just get this map here. Hold. And he turns around and he goes back to his drawer. Then all of a sudden he stops and he looks, he's like, Shit, get the fuck out of here now. Go, go, go. And he just takes the map and you see him like pushes the map into your chest, Linda. You hear the loud ringing as gunshots and bullets rip into the trailer. Hello. If you're enjoying Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Seas by Night Sorrow, I would highly recommend our Ghoul's Fatal Addiction story, Servitude, which takes place three months before the events of Sorrow and is part of the Twin Seas by Night continuity. 